You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, my friends, we'll get started. I'll pray for us, and um, yeah. All right, Lord, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us Christ. Um, just thank you for our church and for this great weather and um, for all the blessings of this life. And thank you for the promise that you're a, you're a healer and that you're a provider, that you're a good shepherd. Thank you, too, for just the realities of your goodness, your love, your sovereignty. And I pray you bless this time. I pray that it would be life-giving. I pray that we wouldn't... Um, You'd free us from any, uh, any claiming the need to be the God and Savior of our children. Um, help us, Lord, just to be um, faithful stewards and humble recipients of your grace, that we might just, um, by your grace and wisdom and power, just continue to take the next right step. So we trust you, Lord. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, hey, there's a handout over. Um, uh, hey, then, yeah. Hey, guys. Good to see. There's a handout right over there. Thanks so much. Um, okay, so this is the last um, this is the last class in our series, and the series is kind of driven by this huge study that was done um, about the impact of parents on the spiritual lives of their kids. And um, you know, I think by and large, what we're finding is that far more than any other source, parents have far more influence on their kids' future spiritual life than anything else, which. Um, the danger in that is we feel this great sense of pressure, like, it's all on me. It's actually all on Jesus. Um, you know, something that we're really, I, we, I think that's a really helpful little dichotomy is to think in terms of we have a role but not a responsibility. Yeah, we have a role. You know, we want to be faithful, um, but we don't have a responsibility to save our kids. We don't have a responsibility to shape our kids' beliefs. Like, that responsibility falls on the shoulders of the Holy Spirit. And it falls on the shoulders of our child. You know, our child is an independent agent with their own will. Um, and so, so with that being said, we have a role, but not a responsibility. And so I think another thing that's really helpful for me to think about is, you know, God has given us a very, very small box of control in the grand scheme of life. Um, and his realm of control is infinite. Like his, we can't, we can't, we can't illustrate his box of control because his box of control is totally infinite. But he's given us a very, very small box. And we want to be really faithful within our box. You know, I want to do all, I want to do, I want to, you know, by, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to be faithful within my little box. But I also want to be very clear on just how small my box is relative to the size of God's box. I think it's important for me to, um, to kind of come with that uh, because this is, you know, the series has, um, could really uh, stimulate that parental need of like, give me a formula, give me the playbook, because I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make my kid right. You know, I'm going to make my kid follow Jesus. My child's going to be moral and ethical. They're going to do all the right things. They're going to be a churchgoer when they're 19. Da 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 da. All these kind of aspirations and hopes that we may have, um, and that is um, not not the right response. <laughs> That's the response of climbing up the stairs onto God's throne. Um, and he's on that throne. He does not need you to sit there. <laughs> he's, he's got that. Uh, he's the creator. We're creatures. And so, yeah, so when I start, the, I just want to start with that premise and that caveat that what we'll talk about today is the, is the impact of spiritual conversations 
um, in terms of uh, discipling your kid. Um, and keep in mind that, it, that it's not all on your shoulders. Like it's on the shoulders of Jesus and he's, he's actually carried it already on his shoulders on the cross. So, so with that being said, a little bit of review. Um, the, this series, we first talked out, started out looking at this study that, that is found that in this day and age, parents have particular influence. And that's a biblical thing. That's a reality um, that parents, it's obvious that parents have, you know, more impact than other sources. And we see that in this day and age, that's even more acute uh, than in past generations. And I think this is particularly good news um, because uh, I think that because of mass media and social media, there is such a kind of a frightening prevalence and um, ubiquity of all kinds of messages that really scare us and really uh, that seem very destructive. And we're worried about our kids being influenced and shaped by, you know, whatever, whether those messages are, you know, coming out of the far right or out of the far left, whatever they may be, this, you know, it can be really, really scary. Um, but what we're, um, the reality is, is they have, those, those sources have very little power, very little impact relative to you. And I think part of the reason I got on to this, wanted to do this series, um, is because, so a, a buddy of mine, um, a buddy of mine, uh, his name is Colin Hansen, and Colin, um, He's, he, lives here in, he lives here in Birmingham. He has a child. He goes to Mount Brook Elementary. But he's one of the probably 10 or 15 top Christian thought leaders in the world. He's the uh, editor-in-chief and content director of the Gospel Coalition, which is the most read, um, most read online Christian publication in the world. And so um, we had him on the Rooted Parent podcast, and we were talking to him about, you know, raising kids and, and this— kind of crazy world. And basically what um, his observation and the observation of lots and lots of kind of like scholars and researchers and thought leaders is that a lot of, you know, evangelical Christian parents are so obsessed with all the threats out there that number one, they're not just taking care of business right here. They're they're abandoning their little box of control. uh, And they're trying to, you know, get in the mix in, 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 the, in, in the sphere where they have no control at all. Um, and because they become so afraid of all the threats out there, um, they don't use profanity. That's not a godly thing to do. Because they get so obsessed and so afraid with all the threats out there, they start to act like a bunch of turkeys. Um, there you go. That's the better word. Yeah, I mean, their, their behavior, they're afraid and they're freaking out and um, they're, you know, hateful and resentful and condemning and um, talking so bad about, you know, all these other sources out there. And their, their modeling is terrible character to their kids. And so they're kind of whistling by the graveyard. And that is really what the devil would like for us to do, is to get consumed with all the things out there that we don't have any control over and abandon our little box. And, and so it's interesting, Colin was, we were talking on Friday, and there was a group of parents at a, um, at a, a like an elite private school in Atlanta. Um, and I'm not going to say who, what, because, but that's, I, I know we all probably know what the school is. But it's very conservative parents, and they're worried about some of the, you know, potential directions at that school of going in a progressive direction. And basically... He, it's so funny because he got up there and he, he, he just kind of 
the things that I just said. He said as far as, you know, cultural change and being consumed with all the things out there. And he's like, look, guys, like, and it was dads. He says, dads, love Jesus. Take your kids to church consistently on Sunday. Uh, pray for your kids and model Christian humility and charity. And like, that's all you need to worry about. Like, you need to worry about you being faithful and all that kind of stuff doesn't really matter. Um, and so, uh, so that's why we're doing this series. So that was a little more of an introduction than I expected. But that's probably a good little, that's, we could probably end it here. Um, so, so first off, so in this study, you know, we kind of, they identified um, four things that are particularly impactful uh, in discipling kids. Um, we said uh, one, was, one is consistent church attendance. That is, that is like a, a really powerful, um, this really, you cannot imagine just being here today, how impactful that is for your kids. Just the, the practice and the modeling of getting up and going to church is really a powerful thing. Second thing was um, spiritual practice, just basic spiritual practice in the home. You know, praying before meals. Um, you know, we have these little gospel catechisms that we do, like doing that with your kids on the way to school or things like that. Um, yeah, just, you know, reading the Bible here and there. Things like that, incredibly powerful. And the one we're going to talk about today is, um, is having spiritual conversations with your child. Uh, going to church and spiritual conversations are the two most impactful things. And so, um, yeah, so, and basically, uh, yeah, so to, to kind of start and talking about spiritual conversations, um, I think a lot of times we, uh, my experience, in my experience, what I've observed is that a lot of times parents feel really inadequate to talk about God with their kids. Um, and I think a real trap that we can fall into is thinking like, if I don't know every single answer to every question. If I don't like have a complete command of all the Bible, if I haven't, you know, read in great depth, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, then I'm really not adequate to have, to in any way engage with my kids spiritually. Because I don't have a PhD, I can't, you know, I can't just talk at a kindergarten level. And um, that's, that's, a, that's, again, a, I think a, a trap that the devil wants us to fall into, is, um, is thinking that you have to be a rock star just to basically engage. And so, um, and so what I want to do today is just give you a little, some framework for how to have spiritual conversations and show you how just, you know, just knowing some of the basic promises of God, some of the basic uh, encouragements that, that flow out of the scripture and out of the character of the Lord, out of, out of the Lord, um, how those really are very, very powerful tools to having spiritual conversations with your kids. And so um, a couple of things just, you know, before we get into those frameworks to talk about the nature of kind of like positive spiritual conversations um, is first, uh, these conversations are typically organic. You know, it's, it's you're, you're, you're driving down the road or you see your kids see something on the news. There's a moment, you know, a moment in a, in a baseball game or a soccer game that your kid's playing. There's a question, a random question that they ask. It's usually in just the everyday live combat of life that these conversations most effectively occur. You can see in your sheet here under, under number two study, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. This is one of the kind of like key uh, passages in the Bible about uh, spiritually investing in your kids. So it says, all these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your child. 
and shall talk of them. And then look at, look at the context of the conversations. It says, when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets before, between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So you can see this, like, when you sit down in your house, when you're walking, when you lie down at night, when you wake up. These conversations tend to pop up just organically. And that is actually the most effective context for these conversations. You can, you know, there are, there are moments to like, kids, everybody come into the den, you know, we're going to have a talk, right? That, you know, there's a place for that. I, you know, when our, um, when our kids got out, we're, you know, when our kids were kind of uh, taken out of school for COVID back in 2020, that was a like circle the wagons moment at the dinner table. Uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine this year, we had like a come to the dinner table kind of conversation. But other than that, I think we did when George, the George Floyd incident. But other than that, this is only three like formal, let's gather around, we're talking about Jesus moments that I can think of. And that's, you know, over like three years, three. So one per year. <laughs> uh, and so all to say that most of these conversations occur, you know, in the organic moments of life. A uh, second thing is, is, is the tone, um, the, how key like the tone is in these conversations. So as parents, because we kind of, our default mode is to be afraid, and then the natural response to fear is control. Um, we, a lot of times, and this is very much my propensity, want to dominate the conversation. Like, okay, you listen to me, okay? Well, actually, one thing we want to try our hardest to do is to let the conversations be somewhat child-centered. Uh, by that, I mean, like, l- listen before you talk. Um, ask your child questions. Huh. As counselors always say this, do we have any, oh, you're a psychologist. Be curious, be curious. <laughs> but it's true. Like, you know, the, uh, something comes up, your child asks a question, there's an incident. Being curious, like asking your child questions, letting your child talk, listening to your child, all of that kind of stuff is, is, um, is found to be the most constructive way to have spiritual conversations. Obviously, there's going to be a place for you to impart truth, for you to speak into their life. And you, ideally, you can do that after the child has had a chance to speak, to be listened to, to be known, to be understood. And so, um, and so with that being said, I want to first give you guys this framework. This is, this is a framework that we, I learned it like in pastoral theology and seminary, but um, uh, no, pastoral counseling and seminary. But this is kind of how we train volunteers and youth pastors on um, kind of like a structure for spiritual conversations. Obviously, you know, you can't, if you try to go like step one, step two, step three, that, that doesn't really work. You know, it's uh, life is more soccer than it is football. What I mean by that is like football, you come to the line and you have one play, you might have two plays and you're going to run the play. Whereas soccer is like, you've got a general concept and, uh, but it's like so fluid and things are changing so much that you're really just playing within a broad concept and you, you know, you're just, it's, you've got to be more flexible. And so the framework, number one, is external, internal, eternal. External, internal, eternal. And so here's what we mean by that. So first, um, and I'll tell you, like if I, when I like hang out with a student and go on a walk, it is always external, internal, eternal. Start out and say, well, how are things going? Like, What's, um, you know, what, 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 how's school? How's lacrosse? 
Um, how's your social life? Those kind of things. And so these are external questions where you're starting concrete and you're just listening to the circumstances of life. How's math going? How are things with that teacher? What are y'all doing in recess right now? Um, and this is also how it kind of flows with my kids too. You're just kind of asking about the who, the where, the what, the when, and just letting them, you know, talk concrete. This is not, I mean, you do have, uh, you, you, you in your life may have some friendships. I call them cliff diving friendships, where it's like you talk for 30 seconds about, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, works good, da, 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 yeah, how about the tide? How are we can do on the road, blah, 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 blah. And then within 30 seconds, it's like, let me tell you my deepest, darkest of right now, you know? Let me talk to you about the existential pain of my life right now. That's Stephen Nichols and Cameron Cole. We are cliff divers. It goes shallow, if it's, it goes shallow for about 45 seconds, and then it is deeply into the existential struggle of life. Um, that is generally not how kids operate. Um, it may be you have a relationship with your child and, 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 it can, and, and you cliff dive and that's great, but generally you have to start external and you have to show an interest in um, just the details of life. So that is the external. I have found that um, being a really good question asker and asking lots of questions and doing lots of listening is you know, obviously best recipe for like cultivating an intimate relationship. All right, so that's external. All right, next is internal. The internal um, applies to the emotional implications, the emotional experience within the details of life. So I'm talking to a student and a student says, oh, well, I've got, um, I've got four tests on Thursday and I've got a paper due on Friday. Okay, those are just details. That's just the facts, right? What do we expect is the emotional experience of having four tests on Thursday and, one and a, a paper due on Friday? Yes, feeling a lot of stress, okay? And so as I'm listening to the details of life, I am taking notes on, oh, that sounds exciting. Hmm, that sounds stressful. Oh, that sounds painful. And so I'm, I'm, I'm letting them talk about the details, but I'm always listening to and thinking about what might be the emotional experience beneath the externals, the details of life. Um, and so, um, and so this, this here is like, in terms of having intimate connection with a person or with a child, this is really the crossing of the threshold, is where, you know, we all know this, you, we all probably have some friendships where it never goes below the surface. And what that really means is it never goes beyond just the details of the circumstances of life, right? Um, uh, and so, obviously, like, you know, we're trying to cultivate connection and we want to have meaningful conversations. And uh, you know, I think one of the primary ways that people feel, um, feel loved is to feel known and seen. I think I, someone, uh, last week someone said to me, it was a great quote, they said, for some people, um, the closest they'll ever, ever be to feeling loved is to feel known and seen. And so with that being said, when a person will open up about what's going on, what, what is the emotional import below the details, they feel really known and seen, which is cer certainly something that we ideally want to move towards with our kids. And so with the internal, we're asking questions like, hmm, how, how do you feel about having four tests? Um, hmm, so you didn't play in your game. How, how'd you feel about that? Um, 
you and your sister are fighting, your sister is acting like this towards you, like, how is that making you feel? And so, um, so yeah, and so that's the internal, is getting to the emotional experience below the details of life. All right, so that's, we said external, internal, eternal. And so the eternal then is when the conversation moves to the promises of God, the promises of the gospel, the realities of who the Lord is. Um, and so um, I, let me say that you need to be really careful. You need to be really careful when you move to the eternal and you need to very much be praying in that conversation for the wisdom of the Lord um, for a number of reasons. Part of it is if you're going to say something, what is it that you should say? And more importantly than anything is do you need to say anything? There, uh, I think a danger that Christian parents can fall into or, or youth pastors, children's pastors, whatever they may be, is wanting to hyper-spiritualize everything. And sometimes there is a time to give some spiritual encouragement. And sometimes the best way you can love a person and the best way um, that you can you know, be Christ-like and serving an individual is to not say anything is to say, is just to sit with them in uh, whatever the difficulty it is. They're saying, I feel, I feel like I don't have any friends. I don't, you know, I, all, all my, my, my group of friends, they've all dispersed and they're all hanging out and I am not included. I got cut out of the group text and it's like, huh, how do you feel? I feel really lonely. And it, that does not mean, sometimes, maybe the right thing to do is to remind them of the presence of God, but sometimes the right thing to do is just to sit with them, just to be with them and to say, I'm really, really sorry. That sounds really hard. I think a lot of people experience that in middle school. And, and that is, yeah, and to stop there. So that's, that's, that is why I think the concept of wisdom um, and the reality that you have the Holy Spirit of the living God in you is one of the great assets and assets and comforts that you have as a parent. Because God is omniscient. He knows your child better than you know him. He knows your child better than they know themselves. God knows you and, and, and knows our sin a whole lot and our sinful propensities a lot better than we do. We're pretty blind to that most of the time. And so the great promise of the Holy Spirit is in those conversations when you're like, hmm, is this a moment for me to sit and to be and just exercise a ministry of presence and say, I'm really sorry? Or is this a moment for me to proclaim the promises of the gospel? You just, you pray. You say, you know, Lord, you know, what do I need to do here? Like, what do I need to say here? What do I not need to say here? And you just sit with the Holy Spirit, kind of let the, just trust the Holy Spirit to guide, to guide your lips. I think one of my, one of my prayers every day is, um, Holy Spirit, rule in me. Rule my desires and my thoughts. Rule the way that I perceive and relate to people. And rule everything that I say and everything that I do. May I not say anything or do anything unless it is guided by the Holy Spirit. And so that's a, that's a, a helpful prayer when you're having a meaningful conversation with a child. But when there is the time to speak, um, that I, I think a lot of times as a parent, and this is, this is pretty, I think this is encouraging, is that generally what I find is uh, the greatest asset for a parent in spiritual conversations with a child 
is to encourage them, to encourage them in the positive promises of the Lord. Um, and so uh, we'll get to that a little more in a second. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there are some times when it's like, you know, to the best of your ability, you might try to theologize. But generally, reassurance about who God is and encouragement about the promises that flow out of the gospel, those are generally your best assets. And that's generally where um, you're going to win a lot of football games in 90% of the time. So, so before I go into that, last thing here is what we call the fallen condition focus. By the way, any questions at this point? It's kind of a lot of stuff. Preguntas? Okay. All right. Um, framework number two, I'm going to zip through this. This is actually a preaching tool, fall and condition focus. When you're going to preach and you read a text, you're looking for this question of what is the universal human problem that's observed in this passage of Scripture? And then what is the uh, divine provision of grace that meets that need? Um, but this can be really helpful when you're thinking in these conversations to think about hmm, what is the universal problem that I'm hearing and what is the divine provision of grace that meets that? Um, And so that's going to lead us to, finally, back page, uh, the promises of God. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. These are 18 promises. Um, But you can see how in these different promises, how how these are great assets in encouraging a child. Um, and reminding them of the goodness of the Lord. So I'm just going to pick a few. Um, I'm going to pick a few, and I'm going to talk that I kind of find myself pulling pulling out of the pocket very often, either when I'm either when I'm talking to students or talking to my own kids. And so, um, all right. So go to number six, for example. Uh, number six. Um, God designed me for a purpose. Like, I have a purpose in life. I think one thing that I observe as a parent is one of the difficulties of being a child is um, when you're not the star. (laughs) You know, when you're not the star, you're kind of a bench warmer. Um, You're maybe an average student. Uh, You're at the bottom of the lineup. You play in the outfield. You don't get the lead role. Um, you know, you're, you're, in the swim, you're, you're in the swim meet and you never get a ribbon, you never place. Um, that is really hard because there can only be one star. <laughs> the, 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 the number of positions for the star are very, very limited. And then there's the other 98% of people, right? And so I think a lot of times, especially in suburban settings like a lot of us live in, um, I think that for... 95% of kids, there's this grappling with, I'm not the star. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most popular. Um, and so I think that reminding a child that, that God has designed them with a purpose, like, hey, it doesn't matter if you're the star. Like, God has a purpose for you being on the team. God has a purpose for you being in, um, you know, regular or remedial English, whatever it may be. And to remind them that, like, the Lord has purposes in every, has purpose in every part of their life, and that carries into all the different settings of life. That's one that I find myself um, uh, reassuring people of quite a bit. Uh, secondly, uh, God has a plan for my life. 
think it's particularly true as your child starts to move towards high school that they really start to think a lot about college and building their resume and getting into the school and all of this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, they internalize and start to think it's all up to me. Like I have to, if it's going to be, it's up to me. It's horribly heretical. Um, uh, yeah, not true. And so, you know, I think, I feel like this is what I'm going to all the time when a child is taking the ACT. They're always so nervous about taking the ACT because they feel like their whole life's future is contingent upon their performance on the ACT. And, and, and they majorly go down the slippery slope. It's like, if I don't make a good grade, then I don't get into this college, and then I don't get a good job, and then I end up, you know, selling drugs on the streets of Crestline, and, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and, and there's this huge spiral, right? And so, you know, reminding them, like, God has a plan for your life, and that plan is greater than your successes and failures. Um, and, yeah, that's just something that we'll to remind a child of over and over again. Um, number 18, God is fully in control. God is fully in control. Uh, you know, I, I think that one of the hard things about being young is, you know, things don't go the way you expected. Or things pop up and derail your plans and expectations, you know, like, Oh, I was so, I, I, I worked so hard all summer, you know, to, um, for this upcoming football season or for this cross-country season, and, like, everything has been building to this, and then I get a stress fracture or I sprain my ankle or I break my collarbone and I'm out, you know? And so, um, yeah, or, I, you know, I ended up in a class with none of my friends. That's, that's like, you know... That's a crisis in elementary school, uh, especially for girls. <laughs> and so, so just reminding a child of like the sovereignty of God, like, hey, I don't know the answer, but I do know that God is fully in control of all the circumstances of your life. And sovereignty is of no value unless you know that God's good. If you, can't, yeah, if, if, if you don't know that God's good and he loves you, the sovereignty of God is not necessarily good news. But if you know that God is good and loving and he's, he's on your side, and he's sovereign, that is great assurance. So anyhow, so the sovereignty of God. And then lastly, lastly is just the promise of the presence of the Lord. Uh, being a child, particularly being an adolescent, centrally sixth through ninth grade, is very lonely. It's a very lonely time for a child. And so I think to be reminded of the presence of Jesus um, and, the, and the joy and the hope and the companionship of that is, um, is really, really helpful. Uh, that I think besides being stressed, being lonely and isolated is kind of the, uh, the life struggle that I hear second most. Stress and anxiety, number one, undefeated, getting all the votes in the AP poll, but, um, but number two is a sense of, of loneliness and isolation. So, yes? That's a really good word. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I, and then they yeah. laugh about it because they're in a different state of mind. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Or when they make the grade and you're like, oh, you did, you're definitely higher up in heaven. You know, just so they That's a good, good word. In the job. Yeah, that's really good wisdom. But I have a tactical question for you. Yeah, sure. I don't, I really do not parent out of fear, but you have this thought, so you also would be like responsible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know how you feel about what I'm about to say, but so our son. A hundred percent chance this has to do with Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, and technology. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't feel like we're listening. Like he yeah, sure. Yeah. And I really am not fearful. I just am like, he's 13 and probably makes, but he's giving us reasons why he can, things disappear on Instagram and you can make yeah. things disappear on your text. Totally. And else is on it, which is not a reason to do it. But I'm also like, I try not to get in their business unless he gives me a reason to in his business, whether it's friendships, whether it's sure. sports, whether it's grades. So, I'm trying to listen and him feel mm-hmm. known, but also I'm like trying to parent in 2022. But I don't. What yeah, that? that's a wisdom. That's a that's a wisdom question. And that's a knowing your child question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have these technology guidelines that we recommend, and um, and so then we say we have certain like rigid, certain rigid uh, recommendations we have up to 10th grade, mm-hmm. and then in 10th grade we say. You know your child, mm-hmm. and now you know. Now read the defense of the line of scrimmage. I've been making a lot of sports references today. I watched so much football yesterday. Uh, sorry, sorry for sorry for those who feel alienated by sports uh, analogies. Um, but anyhow, I was going to say, um, yeah, I think it's really good that you empathize with and know your child. That's when you can also invoke the, hey, I hear you, I totally hear you, and God has given me a responsibility, um, you know, to prayerfully parent and like what we're going to do is be based on where we feel the Lord leading you mm-hmm. and what we feel is in your best interest what we do is not going to be dictated by what everybody else is doing and so um, sorry I'm not, sorry that's hard and I'm sorry that's you know that can make you feel kind of uncool or alienated or whatnot so that's tough I think another thing this is um, uh, I, I, I always say we're not parenting to be liked when our children are like uh, to be liked when our children are, you know, 12, 15, 18. We're parenting to be respected when our children are 28, 38, 48, and 58. And I kind of find that, like, with my parents, like, the older I get, the, like, the deeper my respect for them grows. And I, and I become incre- increasingly grateful for them. So that's kind of been pretty impactful for me, uh, yeah, to think in those terms. Anybody else have a question? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, Dr. Fry, we appreciate that. She's a psychologist, so, so she has all the right answers. <laughs> well, no, I think you're exactly right. I think that, you know, in this, we can feel so much pressure about, did I say the right thing? Did I say the wrong thing? And a lot of times, it's generally less about what you say, it's more about how you say it. Um, but I think the grace, like you said, is when we say the wrong thing, and particularly when we say it wrong, the wrong way, like, there's always that, that opportunity to, like, to reconcile. Um, yeah, that's the best way you can share the gospel with your kids is to be a repenting and apologizing parent. Yeah, Will. So, Stephen and I got into it this morning about something, and he went upstairs, and I heard him say, you know, why is he so hard on me? Uh, about me. Yeah, sure. The negative self-talk, I mean, of course it breaks your heart, yeah. but you have a reason for you doing why you do it. Yeah. And you know, how do you kind of address that while saying, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sorry for being right, so to speak, but 
<laughs> I've never been sorry for being right. <laughs> sorry. My point was correct. Yeah, sure. Yeah. From this standpoint and practically. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's going back to what Rachel said. I think that's where like humility is really helpful to say, um, I like be curious, but I mean to ask, like, do you feel like I'm hard on you? But um, but I think coming back and acknowledging like, hey, I'm a parent. Uh, I'm trying. I love you so much. I'm trying to do the best job I can possibly do, and I am a I am a flawed sinner. And I am, you know, I am, I am not perfect. And so please understand that I'm trying to do my best. Um, and I'm flawed. And, um, and that's where I need the Lord's mercy. And so I think that that humility is, um, I think, kind of going back with humility, acknowledging that. But also, too, like sticking to the fact that, like, the Lord has given me authority. The Lord has put me in this position, and it's like my job is not to... My job is to lead you in, in towards a godly, faithful life. Um, and I care, me loving you is caring more about that for you than you liking me right now. And so, um, so they, might, they might weaponize that and say, well, I don't like you right now. <laughs> um, but anyhow, well, I'll probably, um, thanks. This is, thanks so much for those comments and insights. Always, there's always like such great wisdom. That's just like the beauty and blessing of, Parenting in a in a community like in a Christian community with you know people who've um, people who are farther down the path than you are and kind of listening to um, yeah uh, they say what is it happier uh, wiser those who learn from experience and happier those who learn from the experience of others so anyhow let's let's uh, let's pray uh, God thanks for um, today and thank you for the um, thank you that you've given us the role to be parents and we all are really struggling Lord and um, all, all projecting that we're putting our children in counseling uh, <laughs> down in 20 years. And so have mercy on us. Help us to operate with uh, compa- compassion and humility and gratitude. And, um, and also with strength, Lord, with the strength to, to, um, to, to stand in the place you've given us, to be faithful to the call of um, the authority and the leadership that inherently comes with being a parent. And so, um, and so but Lord, I pray that our confidence would not be in our performance, but our confidence would instead be in the performance of, of you, Lord Christ, in your life and your death and resurrection, and in the power and activity of the Holy Spirit um, through the sovereign and good uh, fathership of God the Father. So ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.